Megan. And welcome to our special episode for St. Patrick's Day. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is just more of an excuse for us to talk about myths and legends. Yeah. <laughs> Less about St. Patrick's Day and more yeah. about Irish you'll, folklore. <laughs> I mean, if you don't already know now, we love yeah. this kind of stuff. Yes. It's very much uh, not only something that we like to read, but mm-hmm. like we also like to read retellings of myths yes. and legends. So this is not, this this uh, acorn did not fall far from the tree, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm super excited for our Myths and Legends series that'll be coming out this fall. So yeah, I'm super guys. excited about that. This is like a little teaser episode <laughs> <for that. laughs> So yes, we are going to be talking about Irish folklore today, mm-hmm. but we're going to start off the episode with a little bit about St. Patrick's Day and the mm-hmm. classic icon that represents all of it, the leprechaun. Yes. Is yes. overrated in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to preface uh, real quick that, uh, like we said, we're going to be talking about Irish folklore, but Irish folklore is kind of synonymous with the lands. It's regional, less, um, it's geographical. Mm. so some of these things might overlap with nordic or celtic lore because they share similar culture Mm -hmm. and regional aspects so it's not yes we're calling irish and you can find irish legends and stories and poems about these myths and uh legends and stuff but you can also find them in scotland or norway or Mm -hmm. iceland or (laughs) a various other countries yes so uh, we do want to preface that that this is not (laughs) it is a regional not specific yes exactly <laughs> and again the saint patrick's day theme is just an excuse <laughs> it's just an excuse <laughs> an excuse um okay so um let's start off with for those of you if you don't know who saint patrick is um he is a saint um in the catholic church who when i was going through catholic school was taught that he you know drove away the snakes um from Ireland and that was his big thing that made him um made him into a saint he also went around and um was actively converting um the people in that area to Christianity so that was his big thing and he would use the three-leaf clover to explain the holy trinity um, which is why the shamrock, the three-leaf clover, is known, um, is a big symbol in Ireland and for St. Patrick. Um, so, and, sorry, yes. I wanted no, to jump in on this because this is a little, like, fun fact that I always mm-hmm. like to know. It is a fact that there are no snakes in Ireland. Yes. So yes. that is something true. Um, because that's always something that I've been curious yeah. about. So there's very few countries in the entire world that don't have snakes, which just mm-hmm. blows my brain because yeah. like we live in the United States that has like every fucking mm-hmm. geodome sphere mm-hmm. in the possible world. Um, and to be in an area that doesn't have snakes just seems. Yes. Weird. And so that's one of the things where like, that's how they explain that there are no snakes because yes. he was born around, let me pull my thing up. He lived in like 401 to 500 um ce yeah. common era um and his name is not actually patrick at all no <laughs> he, like adopts it yes as most saints do they tend to adopt it from ireland i no, he was um kidnapped at the age of 16 and was 
enslaved in Ireland. So fun random fact, when I was a teacher, I used to do anything to celebrate a random holiday. Give me a mm-hmm. reason to celebrate. So I would right. make uh, trivia quizzes all the time. And I had one for St. Patrick's Day because mm-hmm. I was like, if we're gonna do not work, <laughs> yes, I'm gonna at least teach you some like authentic information. Mm-hmm. And like, I would like do all this research. And like, that was one of the things was like, did, uh, true or false? Why is St. Patrick from Ireland? Right. And I, it was always, you know, uh, a gimme because everybody like, yeah, he's from St. Patrick. He's St. Patrick, you know, he's, he's from, from Ireland. Ireland. And they'd be like, ha ha. No, I got you. No, <laughs> let me drop some yeah. knowledge. He just he was enslaved in Ireland, and then when he escaped that, he eventually went back to Ireland to then convert um, the various clans and peoples to Christianity. Um, and there are definitely things that, like with the snakes, you know, it's one of the ways that they're like, oh, that this is why there are no snakes in Ireland. It's because he drove them away kind of along the same lines as I would tell my students um there are no wolves in Rome because they have a festival called Lupercalia where that was like to drive out the wolves yeah sure or geographic reasons right exactly but you know I was like you know legends and things like that they have to um find a way to explain things that they don't really know you know yeah and I know that, you know, St. Patrick, he's very, like, embedded in the Catholic Church and everything, but a lot of the things that happen with saints are still very much synonymous with, like, legends and whatnot, so it's how they explain why there were no snakes. Now, there's also a lot um, of, I think, scholars out there, and I haven't done too much research into this, so I could be wrong, but uh, that believe that him driving up the snakes wasn't actual snakes it was him driving out paganism yeah and converting them to christianity um it just eventually like turned into snakes so um and then he let me find it (laughs) when he yes i I'm reading up while you're talking about this <laughs> as to what the real reason is as to why Ireland doesn't have snakes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I just want a sentence, unless St. Patrick's couldn't tell a snake from a lizard, where does the legend come from? <laughs> and I don't know why, but that just made me chuckle. And I was like, my first thought was dragons. Dragons? <laughs> dragons. Oh, dragons. <laughs> dragons in Ireland, which that's <laughs> classic. Right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So, um, he, I think he died in Ireland, I want to say. I'm trying to find where that information was. It has vanished. Um, but he died, supposedly, on March 17th. So, the, the ah. feast day, because in the Catholic Church, they call them feast days of the saint. The feast day of St. Patrick is March 17th, when he died. Just like with Valentine's Day is the day that St. Valentine was decapitated. So like, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so yes, his feast day was when he he died, which is generally what happened. So, so I'm going to give you guys some snake knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> 
do. If you couldn't tell, we've already said it more than once now. This is just a catalyst for us. To it is. It is. So, um, the, like it says, uh, the legend holds that the Christian ministry rid the slithering reptiles from mm. island shores as he converted its people from paganism during the 5th century AD. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Patrick supposedly chased the snakes into, into the sea after they began attacking him during a 40-day <laughs> fast he undertook on top of a hill. Okay, snakes don't do that. Mm-mm. As a snake advocate, they don't do that. Uh-uh. <laughs> um... It's an unlikely tale, perhaps, uh, yet Ireland is unusual for its absence of native snakes. It's one of the handful of places in the world, um, including New Zealand, Iceland, Greenland, and Antarctica, mm-hmm. uh, where there are no snakes. So it was already snake-free when he was there. Now, <laughs> why was it snake-free? <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of scientists like to point out during the ice age and the separation of islands so pangea uh, ice age mm-hmm. the rising seawaters from the ice age essentially made it impossible for snakes to get there why because apparently snakes are slow like migrators like hmm. they are from a specific region and then it's very unlikely for them to expand outside of that region and like spread that's, mm-hmm. I think it's because they just don't do that. They don't migrate. Yeah. So between the islands shifting, the waters rising, there's not a lot of snakes that can swim. I mean, they might be able to swim, but they're not technically made to swim. Mm-hmm. Some are, some aren't. They were not able to. Now, which is interesting because um, England has native snakes. Yes. But Ireland and uh, does not. Mm-hmm. And I think Scotland does too. Scotland also has native snakes. Yeah. But that makes sense because Ireland is its own island. Yes. Yeah. Now, what they said might have been a possibility was a fake snake. Um, anyone in Ireland mm. looking for serpents to exile would probably have to settle for the slow worm, a non-native species species. So not originally was brought in mm. invasive species of legless lizards. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> a non-native species of legless lizards. around very long mm. um but there are that is a brief history of the snakes in ireland <laughs> <laughs> excellent just to let you know yeah, yeah uh so was it saint patrick was it you know the ice age, age? <laughs> the ice age who knows um we'll leave that up to you uh but so saint patrick patron saint of ireland that makes sense I found where he was born. He was born in Roman Britain. So the Romans, of course, were in charge at this time, um, as they do. Uh, Born in Roman Britain in the late 4th century, um, kidnapped at the age of 16 and taken to Ireland as a slave. He escaped and returned about 432 CE to convert the Irish to Christianity. Um, And then died March 17th, 461. And it says he had established monasteries, churches, schools, and then all the legends that popped up with him, like the snakes, yeah. as we talked about, he used the shamrock to explain the Trinity. 
um, which is why it's so prominent. Um, Ireland came to celebrate his day with religious services and feasts. And then this is where it gets really interesting in like the history of St. Patrick's Day as we know it today, yeah. um, which is very much an American oh, thing. Yeah. Um, and so, apparently. Yes, exactly. Um, so I'm getting all this information from um, Encyclopedia Britannica. So it says it was immigrants, particularly to the United States, who transformed St. Patrick's Day into a largely secular holiday of revelry and celebration of things Irish, um, especially cities with large numbers of Irish immigrants yeah. um, who often wielded political power, staged the most extensive celebrations, which included elaborate parades. So that makes sense. It started which, out. Yeah, in that defense, as yes. a coming, our country's built on immigration and slavery. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, exactly. And to in missing the home world in mm-hmm. trying to honor where they're from and like mm-hmm. your grandparents and parents are like we're gonna share with you everything yeah. irish and we're gonna yeah. celebrate it because we are living mm-hmm. in a country that isn't ireland i like that yes and That's- also especially when this type of immigration was prominent irish immigrants were not looked nope. upon friendly like the uh, sorry go ahead no, no, no. I, that was basically oh. it. Like it was, they were discriminated, discriminated against for being. Because I was going to ask immigrants. you, since we we're talking about it, are mm-hmm. you Irish? Are you? Yes. Are you... Yeah, my family is. Well, okay. So here's the thing. My family is Irish and Scottish on my mom's side, and okay. then on my dad's side we're German, um, okay. and Ooh. Welsh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take me um, to flip it. It's oh okay. So like my dad is is Scott Irish and uh-huh. Eng- mostly Scott Irish. Like we're specifically mm-hmm. on the island mm-hmm. off the coast. Mm-hmm. That is like where we're from. There's a little bit of English, but it's mostly Scott Irish mm-hmm. on my dad's side. And then on my mom's side, we are Russian and uh, German. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So like <laughs> very similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's actually funny because on my mom's side, my Nana and my Papa, my Nana's family is, my Nana's maiden name is McGinnis. Oh, yeah. And my Papa's last name is McCormick with an A instead of an <laughs> I. Nice. So like, right. But with an A instead of an I. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Um. So yes, my family is Irish and Scottish on my mom's side, but, and I can't say the same for my Nana's side, but my Papa's side, because I have all the historical documents because they gave them to me. Um, So they, the person who collected all those documents was able to trace us on my Papa's side, again, through the, you know, patriarch, as they do. Yeah. Um, All the way back to the 1780s. Wow. Where it was in Virginia and like obviously there's more before that I just don't know when exactly that part of the family came over yeah yeah yeah. um yeah started in Virginia um and then moved to Alabama or no moved to Tennessee for a hot second then moved to Alabama and then stayed in Alabama until I was born in Tennessee so where's crazy the Mongold clan Mm -hmm. Uh, you can so I went to a school that celebrates Scottish games of pet morning 
Uh, my, my dog is literally, <laughs> I'm touching him right now. Mm-hmm. And if I stop touching him, he's probably going to bark. <laughs> um, so that my college that I went to celebrated the Scottish games because mm-hmm. the Valley where the school is, was a high Scott Irish population. Mm-hmm. And they would um, every year, and because it was the Highlanders, mm-hmm. the Highland games, we would have Highland games every spring. And sp- soon as springtime came around and the different local clans that still existed in the area, surrounding areas, would come and compete at my school. That's really cool. And there was a Mongol clan that mm-hmm. participated. And I actually found out he was like my like third cousin, like one of the guys that competed. That's so awesome. very yeah. much like <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah. We're so, we're we're very fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I no, mean, so we're very removed. Like I my family, we are very removed. Now the like outshoots and all that that came in and married into the McCormick family. I don't know much about that because again, with these records, it's mostly the patriarch um side of things but yeah it's we're very yes technically roots from irish from ireland and scotland but again we've been around since at minimum the late 1700s so (laughs) it it always really surprises me like to say this because like as you know living in america you kind of forget sometimes like Mm -hmm. i like to honor where i'm from because mm-hmm. I think it's interesting and it, mm-hmm. it tells you a lot about you um, because it's, you know, lizard brain. We, yes. all, they, we all have yes. pre-existing stuff from mm-hmm. our ancestors. I am third generation American, which mm-hmm. really isn't that old. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like in the grand scheme of things, I am the third generation born in America. Mm-hmm. That is how recent my family's been here, mm-hmm. um, which is not, not long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we literally came over since the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Like, we- yeah. I think on my dad's side, um, we do still have like distant relatives in Germany. Same. Um, but Poland. he says, I need to look back at it because I don't have as much information about my dad's side. Um, but I believe we came like that side of the family came over in the mid to late 1800s possibly early 1900s I think it was the mid to late 1800s um my dad was very adamant that my family came over before World War II so mine came during <laughs> yeah so I don't we were fleeing I don't we actually Jewish. oh yes yeah <laughs> we yeah po- we yeah were Polish Jews uh-huh and that's why I'm third generation. Mm-hmm. That makes oh, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, um, but anyway. So... This episode is sponsored by Ancestry.com. <laughs> Which is something I want to do. I just haven't done yet. Uh, anyway. But Ancestry, if you want to reach out, we'd, we'd love a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so going back to the history of St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so it was... Uh, started because of Irish immigrants and Boston. Um, Boston held its first St. Patrick's Day parade in 1737, uh-huh. followed by New York City in 1762, which is a yep. big leap. And then since 1962, Chicago wow. has colored its river green to mark the holiday, which is yep. really cool because I've seen that. 
I will be but, in Boston this year for St. Patrick's ooh, Day. That's exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, My Irish is gonna come out. Ooh, but yeah, that's a that's also a joke that I like to say because people are like, wow, you really can drink your whiskey and your beer. Right? And I'm like, listen. Scottish, Listen. Irish, German. I don't, exactly. it is in my DNA. I, and American Southern, it is in my DNA. Right, right. <laughs> check, 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 check. <laughs> um, so fun fact, because this is where I was reading through and I was like, oh, that's cool. And you were like, what? I was like, let's save it for the um, <laughs> episode. So Chicago has colored its river green to mark the holiday. Although... Blue was the color traditionally associated with St. Patrick. Green yes. is now commonly connected with the day. I actually knew that. I did not know that. It so that was, was pretty one cool. of my trivia facts. Trivia I trivia. <laughs> and I, so like, I, when I, I, I do my nail, I get my nails done. It's mm. my one like me thing. Megan and I both get our nails done. Yes. Um, I was contemplating for my St. Patrick's Day in boston whether mm-hmm. to do a blue design to be traditional Ooh. or to be do a green design because i was like what do i do mm-hmm. i mean i'm gonna i'm doing a subtle saint patrick's day like, yeah vibe mm-hmm. um and i'm like still kind of torn like i was thinking about doing like an emerald blue emerald blue yeah it's like a um how do i describe this it's like kind of I don't think I because emerald is green. Yeah, well, no, no, I mean, emeralds, emeralds are green. That's my birthstone. I mean, no, okay, in <laughs> in the color wheel, in, in oh, okay. So there's like a bluey tone. Mm-hmm. It's this, yeah, it's this. This is the color. Emerald blue. Look up emerald blue. It'll be the third color over. It's a square. It's two stones and then a color. Da 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 da. Two stones and then a oh shoot back to the puka. Um <laughs> emerald blue. And then you just look, it'll pop I am up. Two stones, stones and then the color. Yeah. Hang on. I think my thing is popping up something different than yours. <laughs> I'm gonna share my screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes sorry for those listening you'll have to google it yourself or okay do you see this did i do it right (laughs) nope (laughs) hang on let me click a button how about now there we go okay oh gosh go away oh okay see i was looking at something stones and a color oh i like that it's emerald blue (laughs) i guess i've never heard of that before i guess another form of that would be i guess like turquoise or teal but yeah that is so pretty. I think I think I want to do that. So like it's kind of like it could be green, it could be mm-hmm. blue. If you're like smart that. enough to know, you know, if you know, you know. <laughs> if you know, you know. I like that a lot. I honestly might do something like that. Because it's really pretty. Ah, it, it 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 took my, my <laughs> your notes away. away. Yes. <laughs> oh no. Ah ah. Oh. All right. So one of the things, where is it? Oh, wait, hold on. So real quick, just continuing on with some more of the St. Patrick's um, history while you are fixing that. Yes. Um. Wow. So Irish and non-Irish alike commonly participate in the wearing of the green. Um. Again, as y'all, I'm sure you know, with St. Patrick's Day, if you don't wear green, you get pinched. Um. Only if there is consent to do so. Yes. 
as teachers, that was like one of my biggest things was if you touch someone else, just because they're not wearing green, we're going to have issues. That's less of a problem in high school. <laughs> it, you you know, I that was not my experience. Really? Maybe yeah. I just yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just my students. I probably threatened them. <laughs> oh, I definitely I was like, if you touch someone else because they're not wearing green, it is all right. Like we're not doing this. No. no um, no. I don't have as much issue with in my middle schoolers, but really I, I feel be- like middle school would be like, yeah, yes, that. but I think it's because it's not like in my district, I don't think it's really a thing. Like, they just, they're like, wait, why? I don't understand. Like, it's not <laughs> as big of a thing as it was when huh. we were in school. For sure. Uh, but anyway, so sporting an item of green clothing or a shamrock, the Irish national plant, uh, corned beef and cabbage are associated with the holiday and even beer is sometimes like green to celebrate. Um, it's never as good as although, it looks. I know it isn't. Although some of these practices eventually were adopted by the Irish themselves, they did so largely for the benefit of tourists. Yeah. Um, so St. Patrick's Day, as we know it in America, is became the way it is because of Irish immigrants in America. Which respect. Yeah, makes sense. Celebrate where yeah. you're from. And that will be a good transition for our first uh, myth and legend. Yes. Which would be, we're going to do the leprechaun Mm -hmm. because it's most associated with St. Patrick's Patrick's Day. Day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep. It is the most overrated in my opinion. I kind of feel like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, So again, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, the leprechaun in Irish folklore is a fairy. It's a leprechaun fairy in the form of a tiny old man, often with a crooked, uh, or sorry, often with a cocked hat and leather apron. Um, they're solitary by nature, um, said to live in remote places and to make shoes and brogues. Uh, like brogues. Like a shoe? I think so, yeah. Like, um, not Oxford's not brogues. Yes, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking when I said that. <laughs> I wonder. Um, it uh. says the sound of his hammering betrays his presence, and as a lot of us know, with the image of the leprechaun on St. Patrick's Day, they often have um, a pot of gold um, that is hidden, and if um, the leprechaun is captured. And threatened with bodily violence. Oh my gosh. He might, if his captor keeps his eyes on him, reveal its hiding place. But usually the captor is tricked into glancing away and the fairy vanishes. Um, And for those of you who like words like we do, um, the word derives ultimately from Old Irish lucrepan. I'm going to butcher that. Um. I very much revert to how Latin is pronounced when I am pronouncing mm-hmm. words I don't know. So Lugerpan, I don't I don't know how that would be pronounced in old Irish, um, which means little body. So you just made me think of the elves and the shoemaker story by yes. Brothers Grimm. Mm-hmm. Um, which because they are elves, they come mm-hmm. with shoes and buckles and things for money. Mm-hmm. And they like sneak around and they yep. never in sight. It just it's kind of like it is, this is and a good I'm, example of how you can see regional stories blend. Yes, exactly. And now, 
And I just sent you a picture on text that's um, a leprechaun illustration by George Denham from the Irish Fairy Book by Alfred Percival Graves from 1909. Yeah, wow. It's very much, I don't know if y'all watching can see that, but it's very much the Shoemaker Alice. Which is something that I grew up reading that book. Like, that was a weekly book that I read. Uh So it's just, you can tell, and also, but like Germany is mm-hmm. heavy in the folklore. Exactly. And very similar to the Celtic, Nordic, Irish. Mm-hmm. It's all very yeah. similar. Yeah. Um, but even more so. And I can't wait for us to talk about that in another episode. So we have uh, gone through our St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Obligation. Obligations. Let's get into the good stuff. We're going to yeah. with uh, Silkies. Mm-hmm. Which, um, if you look up a silky, you might get a dog. It's not a dog or a ferret. <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some chickens. 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 <laughs> it's, it's not, not a dog or a ferret. It's chickens. <laughs> so when you first type in silkies, you're gonna get silky chickens. Specify. Specify <laughs> what you're looking up. What you're looking for, so you're not just getting mm-hmm. a chicken. Um. <laughs> And silkies are not chickens at no. all. No, um, they are not. So I don't I don't know much about silkies. I know <laughs> silkies or selkies or those silkies, silkies, silkies. I've seen different spellings, spellings of it. Yeah, silkies. I don't know much except for what I've seen on TikTok. Sorry. With certain things. We're going to talk about that. Hey. Okay. So the legend of the Selkie, Silkie, um, mm. is one that we in Ireland share. This is from Wilderness, Ireland. I don't know how reputable this site is, but I'm using mm-hmm. what I find. Um, and it's shared with our neighbors in Scotland. So like we said, regional, not, yes. not a hard line. Mm-hmm. But there are dozens of variations and hundreds of stories. In short, the legend of the Selkie is Irish Ireland's concept of a mermaid. But I disagree with that because there is a separate entity for mermaids yes um which we are also going to talk about Mm -hmm. in this episode which i'm going to spoil this it's not called a siren i found that out sirens are specific to mediterranean yes they are yeah look at us being nerds this is why we had this episode (laughs) (laughs) so yeah is a selkie they are called the sea people and not sea people seal people There's an L there. S E A L. Seal. Seal. Or the sea people or the mermaid. Again, we're going to dispute that. A selkie is a marine legend that tells of people who are half fish and half human. Specifically in the water, they are seals, mm-hmm. <laughs> which this is why I disagree with the whole mermaid factor because a mm-hmm. seal and a mermaid are two are different. Very things. different um and on land they shed their skin and take on the form of a human mm-hmm. and for some reason they are um irresistible to ordinary humans who are uh, adapt to fall in love with the seal people popular on islands and rural coastal communities the legend of the selkie has endured over the ages and through less wait and though less there are still supposed sightings in modern times mm. half fish or seal and half human uh, <laughs> <laughs> the 
says that in order to, uh, to come ashore, selkies must first shed their skin or tail. And if you manage to find that skin and hide it away, the seal person cannot return to the sea. Irish folklore is littered with tales of men and women, usually men, finding a silky skin, hiding it, and then marrying the silky women. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Repression. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you've been on TikTok, you have seen the yes. silky love story that has been floating around. I have not read it. Have you? I have not read it either. Is it the, the silky pirate one? I don't think or is so. That, so I've seen a lot of like not I've, I've seen a lot of things on TikTok that are not like actual books they're just like kind of like little story plot lines just on TikTok where it's like imagine you know um you're a selkie and someone you drop your code and then someone gives it back to you because there's like a thing and I don't know if this is with Irish, the folklore, or if this is nope. just something that happens on TikTok. This is the one that I'm thinking oh, Okay. Um, or if it's something that just happens on like TikTok and in Phantoms where like, if you give a silky their fur or whatever it is that they shed back, then that is something important. Oh, okay. Or like, if you give it back to them, then it means you're engaged. Like, I don't know. That was something that, popped up a lot on TikTok for me. I don't, I think I know what book you're talking about. I'm going to try to find the summary. What's it called? Um, hang on, let me scroll back up. Seduced by a Selkie, a small oh, town no. paranormal romance. I don't know that one. That is not the one. <laughs> okay. That is not the one that I'm familiar, that I know now. Um, I want to find the summary. Book one of four. Mm-hmm. It came out in 2021. Faded Mates Romance. Um, let's see. I want to. Why is it giving me no summary? <laughs> I no summary. What's it called? Seduced by the Silky. I'm like 99% sure. Like she like thinks he drowns and then he pops up and he's like, ah, "Bitch, okay, just kidding. I can swim." <laughs> When, according to Goodreads, when Elsbeth catches sight of a handsome stranger basking on the rocks near the shore, little does she know that she has glimpsed a selkie, a powerful shapeshifter, a creature of magic, and of wild, hot passion. That passion he will show to her and that magic he will use when the secrets and superstitions of Elsbeth's village home threaten to be her ruin. An erotic fairy tale of... 11,000 words. <laughs> um, can we just appreciate on the cover? I don't know if you can see it, but in the yeah. corner, there's a little seal. <laughs> a little white? It's a little seal. Hang on, let me pull it. I'll pull it back up. So if you zoom in at the very bottom. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, I'm here. Yeah, it's I a. Here. Um, by Lucy Levin. Oh, I have one by. Uh, are, are they different? Hold on. What? Who, who is it by? Hold on. Seduced. What was the title of the book? Seduced. Because this is by Lauren Connolly. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. What was the name of it? Seduced by 
Oh, okay. So the one I read was seduced by the seduced by the Selkie. Oh, this is the one you found a. is seduced by a Selkie. <laughs> okay, okay. I found I found that one as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so he's found his mate. She's just passing through. Can he convince her to stay? Delta Novak <laughs> hates her house on Lake Gallon. Galen. Galen, Lake Galen, the old place in the small town of Folkhaven is a reminder of her father's mental decline in the last few years of his life. She's just come to town to clear the thing out and get it ready to sell. Delta never even planned to dip a toe in the water until a prone body floating has her diving in to save the swimmer. A selkie will ne- oh, a selkie will know their mate when they are rescued. Calder McNamara wasn't in need of saving, but he certainly appreciates the effort, especially when the hands on his bare skin warm him to his core. The moment he meets the woman's piercing stare, his gut tells him she's his life partner, but he soon finds that if Delta feels anything toward him, it's annoyance. Accidentally insulting her dog doesn't help his case. With Delta's focus on the road out of town, Calder scrambles to discover what, if anything, can make her stay. He's willing to use all means of pleasure at his disposal to convince his mate that Folkhaven is the perfect place to call home, especially if you're a mythical creature. That's the one that I was talking about. <laughs> now, the series, it's a uh, Welcome to Folkhaven, a town mm-hmm. where most of the residents are mythical creatures looking to live their lives in the modern world and maybe find their fated mates in their free time. With a coffee shop specializing in bear claws run by a bear shifter, scuba classes taught by silkies, and all your money kept safe at the Wolf Trust Bank, who wouldn't want to move to this magical spot? Just ignore the menacing uh, presence lurking behind the, under the surface of a nearby lake, uh, of a nearby lake, dot, dot, dot. Okay, so I'm going to read off the names of this series because it's great. So yes. there are four books and two novellas. Mm-hmm. So in order of like, you know, there's a Selkie secret, which is Folkhaven 0.5. So that's a prequel to the series, a novella. Then there's Seduced by a Selkie, uh, Sucker for a Siren, Swearing at a Sea Monster, and then a little novella, Mooning over a Monster. And then the last one is Shelter for a Shifter. Yeah. it's cute yeah i definitely want to read it i do appreciate how all of the covers are basically the same oh yeah they're exactly they're carbon copies they are um this a selkie secret is great (laughs) a little steel at the bottom i can't right that's funny um so apparently there's seduced by a selkie and then there's seduced by the selkie so the difference. Yeah. Be aware when yes. you look it up. <laughs> there are two. All right. So that is our mm. first uh myth legend you decide. Yes. Factor yes. fiction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Real quick, because I saw this and I think it's great. Um, the name of the series that seduced by the Selkie. Yeah. Is from is called tempted by the fae Ooh, yeah good name that is a good name <laughs> i like that now, yeah okay we're gonna, we're gonna move right along our next one it's a little a little darker i mean yes. if you don't think half humanoid things are dark 
I don't. I think they're pretty normal. I think <laughs> the point. legends of, you know, yeah, capturing them and making them marry you is a little dark. But that's a human thing. That's not a sulky thing. No, no. Yeah. Um, the puka mm-hmm. is what we're talking about next. Uh, they are shapeshifters. And the, the picture that I'm looking of, and I mentioned this to Megan, <laughs> it looks like my cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to put it on TikTok. TikTok. I'm going to put it on our Instagram when, it, when this episode airs. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be a side-by-side <laughs> of my cat and this picture. Because <laughs> they're the same. Yeah. So our shapeshifters that are some of the most feared creatures in all of Irish mythology and folklore, according to the Irish stories, they were said to bring either good or bad fortune to those who saw them and were practically feared around times of harvest. They often uh, fre- uh, frequented the form of wild dogs with red sulfurous eyes. Don't mm-hmm. know what that means. Why are your eyes sulfurous? <laughs> but could also take the form of a goblin or human with animal features. According to Celtic mythology, they are written as evil and bloodthirsty, but uh, there are also tales of them warning humans of accidents or being Mm -hmm. uh, harmless, harnessed as protection. So uh, again, one of the things I said, saw is um, they're kind of like goblins. Yeah. But I like the idea of them being shapeshifters over goblins. I'm not a big fan of goblins yeah um uh, just real quick because when i looked this up to see what she was talking about um with how it looks like her cat um <laughs> the thing that popped up the most for me was apparently there is some hulu original yes oh i saw Puka, that and it's this christmas do you fear what i fear and then it's this yes so there is Puka. also a native american Puka. yes there native is Amer- native native american north american yeah something yes not 100 on either one of those so to go a little deeper into the puka or the irish puka which is considered a goblin a mm-hmm. phantom fairy creature um i like how this one talks about often thought as an animal spirit some accounts believe it gets its name from puk meaning he goat in irish in fact puka is a changeling and can take on animal forms and human forms and this one goes into more than just that mm. uh you'll see them as a horse donkey cat bull young man i like this one because this one gets the most adjectives <laughs> or even a voluptuous young woman <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the animal puka is usually jet black with fiery golden or red eyes um, and is associated with the devil the mountains and hills are these creatures domain depending on parts of ireland you live in the puka was thought to be either helpful or menacing it has been known to help farmers for example but it also wrecks havoc generally however perceived wisdom holds that an encounter with puka is not considered promiscuous as this fairy creature is portent portent sure of oncoming doom mm, portent? yeah portent known for its cunning and wile as well as lies and deception what does this remind me of puka's um archetype is trickster <laughs> maybe that's what it reminds me <laughs> it is, so here here it is it is also a fertility spirit since it has power to create or destroy interesting mm-hmm. what does this remind it reminds me of rumpelstiltskin yeah I wonder where what is Rumpelstiltskin is German, right? 
I believe so. And is Rumpelstiltskin considered a goblin? I wonder. Little tiny man. Mm-hmm. Um. If anything, we're just this is just me realizing how similar German and yeah, uh, the title character is a mysterious gnome-like man. So gnome-like, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Very, very. Yeah, German fairy tale from yeah, it's from the Brothers Grimm. Let me send you this picture of. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. I don't know what you're looking at. For Rumpelstiltskin? Yeah. Is it this one? No. Oh. The one where he's dancing around a fire. Oh, okay. This is the one where he's got her captive and you can see him in the doorway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was looking so at- sorry for those listening and not watching. I was um, looking at this one. Oh, okay. Which I think even looks more goblin-y. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very gobliny. Not so, not the Rumpelstiltskin from Once Upon a Time. No, who's more of a snake. Yeah. Crocodile is that. what Captain Hook calls him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Okay. Onwards to... Yeah. It is really next? cool to see how all of these yeah. things are related. And this is something we'll go more into when we do our myths and legends oh yeah for sure um in the fall but yeah it's really cool to see how everything is so intertwined and this is just more of a like passion thing for Mm -hmm. Megan and I like we very much just like learning and educating ourselves and we both have a generalized and slightly in-depth knowledge of (laughs) pre-existing lore but it's fun to to be able to draw these connections Mm -hmm. it really is because like do I know a lot about Irish lore the vague broad like broad mm-hmm. strokes but to this comparison between german and irish mm-hmm. is really interesting to me yeah so we're going to move into not sirens but marrows m-e-r-r-o-w i like this name marrows yep marrows from the irish muroc muroc sure okay is a mermaid or merman who needs a magical cape in its possession in order to travel between deep water and dry land in the land of ancient Celts. They were described as beautiful mortal women swimming in the sea. However, the surface of the water hid the tail like the fish like the tail like tails. <laughs> the fish like tails of these strange supernatural creatures. Sailors and fishermen uh, found the marrow irresistible, especially when the sea fairies uh, combed their silken hair. The comb was a magical symbol of feminine power in Celtic mythology. The term marrow applies to both the male and female of the species. They were said to dwell in the... I'm going to read the English translation. Of the land between the waves. Mm -hmm. Merrimen were said to be hideously ugly to the point that the mermaids refused to take them as mates. Fascinating. Interesting. Um... Little is known about the mirror except their bodies. I love this. The bodies were covered in emerald scales with stunted with stunted limbs and green hair. It is said they are so bitter over their appearance and loneliness that they capture the spirits of drowned sailors and keep them incarnated, incarnated under the sea in a desperate attempt at revenge. Incarcerated. 
not incarnated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> very different. Marrow women, on the other hand, uh, oh, so that's the men. Oh. This is different. I didn't realize that. I thought that was the women. Um, Marrow women, on the other hand, were beautiful with long, radiant hair and glistening scales on their tails. They preferred the company of human men to those of their hideous species. <laughs> Many human men had been seduced by these mythical creatures over time. Those with the surnames O'Flannerty and O'Sullivan are believed to be descendants of such unions. That's Ooh, so cool! That is really cool! It was said that in order to keep these beautiful creatures on land, a human mate would need to take the marrow's magical cape before she could enchant them with her song oh. or their soul was captured forever to be held in a cage beneath the waves that's when yeah. this cape was taken from her and hidden she could not return to sea to possess her cape meant you held a great power over her and the human could persuade her to marry them however the yearning was so strong that these creatures would find their cape and return to their land below the waves the cape holds the power of the marrow and enables them to live under the ocean such unions with humans were destined to be short-lived and the mare would drag her suitor back with her beneath the waves. I love it. I love it. So I um, was looking at, so I have this book. It's um, the Element Encyclopedia of the Celts, the ultimate A to Z of the symbols, history, and spirituality of the legendary Celts. And I was looking to see if they had marrow, and they do. Um, but underneath marrow, it says sea mermaid. So <laughs> less exciting. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, this is basically the same. She carries a comb and a mirror. Um, the appearance of mermaids is an omen of misfortune. Um, let's see, in some of the early Celtic descriptions, because I really like this, they are monsters enormous in size. One sighting described a mermaid 160 feet long with hair 18 feet long and fingers seven feet long. Her nose was seven feet long too. These precise measurements were possible because her corpse was washed up by the sea. This is said to have happened in 8887. Oh, wow. Um, mermaids are typically sea creatures, but they are not averse to freshwater and they swim up rivers and haunt freshwater lakes. Um, and then it goes into a story about, um, the young, the, the young Laird of Laurenty in Forfarshire was returning home from hunting one evening with a servant and two greyhounds. As he passed a lake about three miles south of Laurenty, closely hemmed in by the woods, he heard a woman screaming. It sounded as if she was drowning. He spurred his horse to the lakeside and saw a beautiful woman struggling in the water and shouting, help, help, Laurenty. Um, he dismounted, rushed into the lake and made to grasp her long golden hair as she went under. Suddenly he was seized from behind by his servant and pulled out. The servant understood that this was a trick by a water sprite. Oh. The master was about to beat the servant, naturally, but the servant said, wait, Laurenty, look, the howling woman was, God save us, no other than a mermaid. The laird instantly understood that his servant was right and the mermaid herself rose half out of the water Laurenty, Laurenty, were if were it not for your man, I'd have had your heart's blood fry in my pan. Okay, 
I. Uh, yeah, and then it says the Irish equivalent of mermaids are called marrow or the murd, murdoquaca, murdoquaca. I don't know. Um, particularly feared because they make their appearance just before storms, but they're gentler than most mermaids, often falling in love, like you were saying. Um, I have one that is very uh, through, yeah. scorn woman. Ooh. In a, in a way, it, it's very uh-huh. dark, and I, I like that. So this happens in Ireland, obviously. Mm-hmm. Legend tells that at Killian Abbey in County Clare, a marrow swam up to the lake to enter the crypts and steal wine from their cellars. She was caught and killed, but before she died, she dragged herself back to the lake, where it is believed that every 40 years, the water turns red with her blood. The lake, (laughs) as like, you murdered me. Um, The lake has red clay, which can give it a red tinge that I like to believe is the marrow uh, mermaid reminding us of the injustice done to her, all for a glass of wine. (laughs) All right. I uh, like this. I like that a lot. So we have three more. Mm-hmm. So I want to I wanna hit them. Um, yes. Because I really want to get the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Dullahan, mm-hmm. which if you don't know, is the Headless Horseman. <laughs> yes. Um, if you've watched the Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. you know, the way it's Specifically with, oh, I almost said with Sweeney Todd. <laughs> with, with Johnny, Johnny Depp. Depp. I was thinking you're like, Jack Sparrow? No. Wait, I was like, oh, Robert Pattinson, so, you know. No. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Um, the Headless Horseman. Yeah. Uh, Sleepy Hollow. The, the, yeah. The Disney one. Not Sweeney Todd. I mean, go for it. That There are some headless men in that one, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is probably one of the most well-known stories of Celtic and Irish uh, folklore. Mm-hmm. In turn, the Headless Horseman has become a key character used in mythology of many cultures, as well as modern horror stories. Um, his story of a headless writer who roams the lands of Ireland looking for victims whose lives he intends to take. Um, He has been depicted as searching for his lost head for all eternity. The Dullahan is um, one of which he, let's see, he was a soldier in previous life and his head was taken from him in battle. Um, Some stories suggest that he has his head and that he rides with a darker purpose, believed to be so bitter about his death that he searches for other souls to take with him to the afterlife. Um, you know him for riding a black horse or riding a black carriage that is pulled by six black horses, which I think is the interpretation in Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. I think it's a carriage with all the horses. And it said that these horses rise so quickly and ferociously that fire emanates from their nostrils and their hooves as they strike the ground, which yes. is depicted in the movie. I'm pretty Both sure. Both movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, the carriage that some believe he rides is made of coffins and tombstones and bones, indicating his evil intent to take innocent lives. Ooh. He wears a long black cloak that flares about him as he rides through the lands, and he's known to hold his severed head high in the sky mm-hmm. and search for the souls to wish he wishes to take. Um, 
His head is rotting, odor of rotting cheese and stale, and a complexion of stale dough. That's... I like the pumpkin one better. Yeah. <laughs> the mouth is split into a terrifying grin as he Ew. finds joy in taking the lives of others. His eyes are lit up with an evil fire and darting back and forth, constantly looking for victims. <clears throat> he is All quite, right. quite the uh foe <laughs> to be yeah yeah so he makes his way through towns and villages after dark mm-hmm. the people hide behind their curtains because if anyone were to look at him they would immediately be blinded oh god this he caused wait but life. that that showed up in no yes. no i'm sorry you don't know what i just read <laughs> he causes their blindness by whipping their eyes out with a whip made from a human spine and by throwing a basin of blood into their eyes. <laughs> what? That's how he blinds them. If they look at, if they just look at him, he whips them out with a human spine. And then, and then throws a bucket of blood on them. Oh. He has the ability okay. to speak only once on a journey, and that is to say the name of the persons whose life he wishes to take. That's oh God. Oh my gosh. Jesus. <laughs> now, the golden protection. How to save yourself from the Dulahan. <laughs> yes. Is yes. believed to appear after sunset on certain festivals and feasts. Feasts. Feasts days which is when people know to be wary of looking outside after the sun has gone down (laughs) the only thing that can frighten him is uh precious metals which when thrown on the ground before him can cause him and his horse to suddenly stop in their path and turn to flee interesting during the period when the story of the dillingham was most popular in ireland families were likely to possess gold as such they were told to use their gold to frighten him if he called upon their house all right. That is very interesting. That, and there's of course is. a um going further into the lore, you mm-hmm. can read about how it is connected with Celtic gods and mm-hmm. of more pagan rituals and things like that and has been modernized through the legend of Sleepy Hollow and various versions. Yeah. But honestly, yeah. I think that's the darkest one we've talked about yet. I, I think so, honestly. Because dang, I was, I mean, like, I yeah. knew what the Dillahan was, but like, I didn't know how horrifying he was. Yeah. So I think, like, because like, obviously, you know, our first introduction to the Headless yeah. Horseman is the legend of Sleepy Hollow cartoon, mm-hmm. which is terrifying as a child. Oh, yeah. But still very, like, lighthearted-ish. Um, yep. um, and then if you've watched Sleepy Hollow with yep. Johnny Depp, that <laughs> is very, very dark. Yes. Uh, much worse. <laughs> uh-huh. There was also, did you ever, there was a, um, there was a show or a TV movie called The Hollow which was set it was set in sleepy hollow new york um and it was modern day and it was like halloween modern day and the headless horseman shows up um Uh, and you said it's a tv movie i think it was a tv movie i watched it like oh no once the hollow 
Also, if you are trying to Google things, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're trying to um, look up Hmm. stuff about Sleepy Hollow, spell it correctly because I spelled it with an A and it pulled up a rapper and I was very confused. I thought it was called, wait, what? The Hollow is not spelled with an A? No, it's H-O-L-L-O-W. Oh, well, the Hollow is a family who moved into a remote mill house in Ireland finds themselves in a fight for survival with demonic creatures that living in the woods. is not. <laughs> and that's spelled H-A-L-L-O. Yeah, no, that's, that's different. So there's apparently a cartoon so on versions. Netflix. Yeah, there's a cartoon on Netflix called The Hollow. Um... Uh, <laughs> No, there was also like a horror movie. Was it not The Hollow? Oh, I don't know. There's a lot. I don't know. I just distinctly remember watching this movie. Okay, apparently, I don't know. Oh, 2004 film, The Hollow, 2004 film. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let's see. The Hollow is a 2014 horror film starring... Uh, oh, Kevin Zager's Kaylee Cuoco, so Penny from yeah, uh, Nick Carter and Stacey Keach. No. Um, the film premiered on the ABC Family Channel um, on October 24, 2004. And so the plot, The Hollow, tells the story of Ian Cranston, a high school teen who has just found out he is the descendant of Ichabod Crane. With the help of his girlfriend, Karen, a local bully named Brody, and the old cemetery caretaker, Klaus Van Ripper, Ian now must stop the newly resurrected Headless Horseman. That's the one I saw Ah. years ago. Um, Mm. So now I know. But yeah, that one was also very intense. So the next one, most of these are non-humans. Obviously, we did the Headless Horseman, but he, in my opinion, is more like demonic spirit mm-hmm. dead less creature like human yeah like, i wanted to go over the morrigan yes and i pulled her up Ooh, in my yes. book as well because there's a little bit about that if you are an sjm fan you know that a quite yes. a bit of specifically oh my god Akatar. Yes. <laughs> <Brain farted really hard. laughs> not just Akatar. A lot of yeah. her stuff is mm-hmm. pulled from Irish and English lore. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Morrigan, or Moore, who we mm-hmm. know in our story, there's we don't know a lot about her. And a lot yeah. of people are saying that she is based off of the Morrigan. I don't know if um Sarah J. Mass has openly said that. Yeah, I don't know. The there's interview. there's and, a lot of like in the books she like says, I am the Morrigan. I something which, about truth which we don't get yeah that much info about lie, her and she like knows everything which if you look at the let's just let me just give you yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah the morgan uh was an irish goddess of death mm-hmm. destiny and battle a trio of sisters who took on the form of a single goddess she was the keeper of fate and a priory of prophecy now i like this one Appearing before great battles as the goddess of war, death, and fate, the Morrigan offered prophecy in favor to heroes and gods alike. Which, <laughs> which I want to tag on to that. As Reese mm-hmm. is the most powerful 
High Lord in history. Mm-hmm. And the Morrigan is his cousin and his number yes. two, right? Yeah. No, his number three. Number three. Because Amran was number two and she was number three. And he goes to her for guidance. Uh-huh. And when she fights in the final battle, we don't really see what she does, mm-hmm. but apparently, like, it's just death. Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be, like, the last resort, because I think if she is supposed to be the representation... Yeah, so I remember it was Cassian and Az were the fourth and fifth, because they yeah. were the ones, like, the general and the spy master, which makes sense. And then Moore was the third, because mm-hmm. she goes in when Az and Cassian fail. And then Amran who is, you know, just wipes everything, right, um, she is the one that goes in when the other three have failed. Yes. Yeah. Which I personally think, and this is a little bit of a tangent here, I don't think more should have failed. No. That should not have happened. No. Also, if I'm remembering correctly, he says that he's like I send in Cassian and As, then I send in more, then I send in Amran. But in that final battle, they were all out, out and about. So we don't really see that progression. Which okay, we're gonna do a deep dive on Sarah J. Mass this summer. Yes. So you'll be looking for that. We're yes. Talk about this more. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because mm-hmm. there there is some fun facts about her mm-hmm. um, in the Irish prophecy and lore. But I just wanted to bring it up because as to SJM fans, mm-hmm. you know, gotta acknowledge yes. our uh, bi, gay, sapphic, queen? Yes. I don't know what to call her. Yes. Which one is she? Which one would you classify her as? She says, she opens to say that she likes women. Yes, I, I think, but she also has only has... ever been with men. No, she had that. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The, the the queen who was her lover um i would say as of right now by but heavily leaning towards women instead yeah. of like because you know bisexuality is not 50 50 no um it's probably more like 90 10 for her with women being the 90 men being the 10 uh because we see instances where she has slept with men of course throughout the series um but she definitely prefers women Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah yes i'm excited to see more of her hopefully we get more i'm hoping the next book might just feature her her as that would be nice not together just not together no 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 them as what the Mm -hmm. main povs yes um but um i have some more little tidbits okay um so from again that same book the Morgan, um, I'm going to butcher these names. I do apologize. <laughs> Again, my study is in Latin. And just like the Romans did, I'm going to butcher the names. Yep. Um, so I do apologize. But it says, the Phantom Queen, in quotes, um, the Morgan is a complex character. She is a spiteful Irish goddess of war and destruction, but also a goddess of motherhood and territory. The dual role suggests that she is rather like the Celtic war gods who also have a role in bringing prosperity and well-being. Um, The Morgan nevertheless brings death, destruction, and chaos. She is a battle fury. She does not fight in battle herself, but uses magic to generate terror among contending warriors. 
Ooh. Which is really interesting when we're talking about more. Because you never see her actually fight. fight. Yes. Oh. Yeah. You need to um, bookmark that for later. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is where I'm going to start butchering names. So one day, this guy. Um, <laughs> Ku Ku Clan. I don't know. It's C-U space C-U-C-H-L-A-I-N-N. I don't know. Is so intent on fighting that he ignores the overtures of a girl who turns out to be the Morrigan. In revenge, she attacks him, shape-shifting into several different animal forms to do so. Sometimes, and this is what you were talking about, sometimes the Morrigan is presented as one of a trio of war goddesses, mm -hmm. the other two being Bodva, B-A-D-H-B-H, which is crow or raven, and yes. Nimhain, frenzy there are occasional references in irish tales to the three morrigans the celtic equivalent of the valkyries it may be that these are thought as as a threefold morrigan rather than separate goddesses um some commentators have tried to equate the trio with maiden bride and crone aspects of the same goddess which is yeah. that you know you see that a lot in maiden the bride and the crone yeah 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 I, yeah. you're going to have to bookmark that because you mentioned Valkyrie in there too. I know. <laughs> so I'm a little, I know. I like also, okay, I, I have to say this now because if I don't say it, I'm going to forget about it. And I bring it up. <laughs> so when Nesta finds the three items for death, mm -hmm. what if those were hers? What if more could have worn them and been in complete control? Ooh, ooh. Right, you have to bookmark this spot in the episode right? to get like, back around. <laughs> that's a thought. Like mm -hmm. Nesta had control, but it was teetering. Like she had to get. Yeah, up. it was all-consuming. I wonder mm -hmm. if they could just be accessories. Like what? Which I'm really curious is like Moore's background with her dad. Her dad doesn't have this kind of power. No. So. But yeah, because we we like know about we know her, her parents, so it's really like because she has she refers to herself frequently as the Morrigan, yeah. which is what everything we've been reading what says she's the, the Morrigan. She also doesn't mm -hmm. look like them. She's blonde. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of her parents are have like black hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying that like my husband's like that. He has blonde hair. Mm -hmm. Neither of his parents are blonde. So yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. We're we'll gonna, have to we're put a tab in that. <laughs> yeah, table that for today. Bring, um, wrap it back around <laughs> for my favorite conversation. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna talk about fairies, but like specifically the silly and unsealy courts. Yes, because they're the most interesting. <laughs> yes, they we are. Could, we could do a whole episode just on fairies. We could. There are so yeah. many subcategories and genres. as you know, this is something we love. Um, and we don't have the time to give it justice. <laughs> mm -hmm. But we can we'll probably least... pick it back up in our myths and legends. Oh yeah, uh, series. I want to specifically touch on Seely and Unseely because mm -hmm. there are a lot of books that you guys can read inspired yeah. by that feature these types of courts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and courts is a very interesting word to use. It is. <laughs> um, so, you're, and I was very confused. So I started reading a book not too long ago and I was just, and I had never heard truly, like I never like d deeply understood stealing on mm -hmm. I had a vague idea of it, mm -hmm. but I never 
grasp it. And I had to do some research on it before I kept reading because I was getting confused. It was was jumping from court to court. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that we're talking about this because even like with the basic conversation in the Savage Land series, which I just finished yesterday, talking about the Sealy and the Unsealy courts, I was like, I'm going to have to do some research on this later because I'm not a, like I understood the basics of what was happening in that book. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then I didn't really understand yes. back and forth. So I'm glad we're talking about this today, which is kind of great. <laughs> so it is prominently seen in Scottish folklore mm-hmm. over Irish folklore, but like we've said time and time again, mm-hmm. it is broad. Yes. You can find fae, fables, mm-hmm. fairies in mm-hmm. all sorts of things, but yes. there is a clear separation between the two. Mm-hmm. so i want to scroll down to the part let's see if i can find it in my book mm-hmm. oh yeah that's a good idea i wanted to no that's not what i wanted wrong tab oh gosh I want to, I don't like that. Okay. So it boils down to being classified as good and bad. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it actually has base in Germanic lore for light and dark elves. Mm -hmm. And then it is roughly later compared to the concepts such as Seelie and Unseelie, which you see as, oh, that's interesting. Uh, so the Seely Court is described to be comprised of fairies that seek to help humans, warn them of, um, warn those who have accidentally offended them, and return human kindness with favors of their own. Still, a fairy belongs to this court uh, would avenge insults and would become prone to mischief. The Unseely Court is described as dark inclined fairies, unlike the Seely Court. No offense was deemed necessary to bring down their assaults. In Scotland, they were closely a lot allied with witches. Mm. Yes. Um, now, <laughs> Cornish fairies, the fairies of Cornwall, mm-hmm. have five classes of the small people, mm. which is a reference to the small people. Oh my God, what is that from? Aelin. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, why I'm not that, there yet. <laughs> why is that r- r- ringing a bell? It was like, oh, Aelin has a connection with the small people. Oh my God. And I was <laughs> Which like, we cannot, is- we cannot get into those books today. We have to <laughs> wait on those because I'm not um, done. <laughs> no, the reason why I want to bring it up is because brownies are Cornish small people fairies mm-hmm. and brownies are in the Savage Lands. Yeah. So sorry, uh, as I was looking through trying to find if this is in this book, um, there are two different runes spelled the same way as Crescent City um in this encyclopedia. So 
You have a lot to say. I'm gonna have to like keep this with me while yeah. we talk about this our SJM thing. So yes, I think it's safe to say she has the all of her series are heavily influenced. Oh yeah. You're giving me a bibliography, but not an index. So um, here's a little bit more. Um, the mm-hmm. Unsullied Court was named, given to a host of malevolent fairies, demons, and monsters. So this one's broader. That are believed to roam the countryside at night and cause havoc. They were a band of previously uh, particularly cruel trooping fairies who stood in direct opposition to the Seely Court. The idea of the unseelie and seelie courts may have been Christian elements brought into the pagan world as the unseelie court translates to unholy or wicked, while seelie roughly means kind or blessed. In this way, the two fairy fractions parallel in some ways to, um, in some ways, the battle between angels and demons and Orthodox uh, Christian teachings. Um, However, the unseelie court was seen as the most dangerous to men and often went on wild hunts um, in which goblins and ghouls of every size would run rampant and cause all manners of mischief, making mortals on, taking mortals on madcap rides, frightening livestock and ruining crops. Later tales also told of how the unseelie court was accompanied by covens of witches um, a later addition told to further anti-pagan beliefs. Uh, the Unseelie Court contained many horrific monsters, demons, and fairies that could ver- uh, vary from being mischievous to being truly wicked. And they were said to be most active during the hours of midnight and three at night, often referred to the witching hour or the devil's hour. All right. Yeah. Witch. Here's the thing. <laughs> I started the book, haven't finished the book, plan on picking the book back up, but it's called These Hollow Vows. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, it's a, yes. currently a duology, and it takes place between the Seelie Court and the Unseelie Court. And this is <laughs> the whole reason I picked Okay, Megan, the whole reason I, I picked it up. Do you own yes. it? Yes. I think I do, but I don't know where it is. Um, uh, I'm looking up, but I'm trying not to lose my headphones. It's somewhere. Where is it? Oh, I do not own it. I think it's one of those books where every time I see it, I'm like, I need to buy this, and then I don't. Now I don't know where it is. Mm. Uh, it's somewhere. Mm-hmm. It might be under my bed. <laughs> don't ask me why it's there. Oh, no, I see it. It's all the way up there. <laughs> but... The reason I picked it up was because I was conflicted and it was literally like, don't know who to love. Mm-hmm. And it's literally a dark haired, like brooding male and a silver haired tattooed male on the front cover. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so it's about a girl and she um, is trying to save her sister and other things happen. And essentially the, um, What's the word I'm looking for? The outcast, not outcast. What was Zuko? Zuko was the banished. Banished. (laughs) The banished prince of the unseely court Mm -hmm. was trying to overthrow his father 
by reclaiming the stolen items that the Seely court took from him to use to kill his father, because apparently his father and the queen of the Seely court had a little thing thing. And Ooh. she stole some really high powerful magical items. But, spoiler but not spoiler, where she lived, the like stable boy was actually the prince of the Seely court learning human ways. And she had fallen in love with him. And when she meets him at the ball, it's the very beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. She, he was like, I've been meaning to tell you, but I wasn't sure how to bring it up because you were so anti-fay, but I'm the crown prince. <laughs> and so <laughs> the uh, banished prince of the Seely court's like, I need you to win the contest to become his wife and steal the items for me so I can kill my father. And I'm like, why did I put it down? <laughs> Why haven't I picked this up? Because I looked at the cover and yeah, this is definitely a book that I've picked up over and over again. Yes. But I've never bought. um, These Hollow Vows and then it's followed up by a sequel called something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really know what it's called. I, this, it's like Hollow Vows and, excuse me. And then the sequel is called like these twisted bonds. These twisted bonds, but it has the silver-haired guy on. Yeah, the <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the silver-haired guy is from the Seely Court, not the Unseely Court. And of course, I'm rooting for the morally gray bad guy character from the Unseely Court. So I'm just like, what the fuck? What is happening? I was like, ah. <laughs> but there are plenty of these. Like the Unseely Prince was something that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um. The Court of Shadows is another option. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so many fantasy books that you can. Oh, <laughs> it is a dark-haired, bat-winged, shirtless fae on the cover of the Unseely Court, finger necklace, the woman. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm wondering yeah. what that noise was. The throne is Valerie's for the taking, but first, Valroy's. That's an awful name. Valroy. The throne is Val, V-A-L-R-O-Y. Valroy, yeah. For the taking, but first he needs a queen. As the son of the Morrigan ah! and the heir to the vacant unsealed throne, Val itches to shed the mantle of prince and take his place as king. To his great regret, one ancient tradition stands in his way, demanding he first takes a bride with all the members of the unsealed court providing providing to be insufferable what is a prince to do steal a human of course (laughs) yes uh it is a slow burn dark fantasy that uh proves something sometimes the line between love and hate is razor thin this is a dark fantasy horror series with a love story this Ooh, this series contains scenes of graphic violence. It is a slow burn romance between the monstrous villain and the main character over the course of four books. My fae do not pull punches and my unseely are not kind. Oh, what's, what's this called again? The Unseely Prince by um, Catherine Ann Kingsley. It is part of the Maze of Shadows series. So... 
few recommendations for you guys if you're looking for a little Irish <laughs> lore this March. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Yes. Um, but I think that wraps up our uh, yeah St. Patrick's Day <laughs> episode. We will resume our book review series mm-hmm. after our special episode, so you guys can tune in next week for um episode four of season seven i think we're getting into project arma (laughs) that's gonna be chaos (laughs) i don't know what's gonna be no so much chaotic now now that if you watched last week's episode Uh where megan and i both dropped huge bombs huge bombs we both had we were both keeping secrets from each other we both had the same idea i love that we were doing it at the same time too we were doing it at the same time yeah (laughs) and so i don't know what's gonna be more unhinged like this this entire season started off very well planned and i think by next episode all of that's going out the window (laughs) who knows who knows it's gonna who really knows well happy saint patrick's day guys and we'll see you next time bye bye